Christmas. It's the most wonderful time of the year, right? How many of you guys got new clothes for Christmas? Raise your hand. New clothes. You know, there was a time you hated new clothes, right? Now listen, I'm going to ask you to keep your hands up. Okay, how many got new clothes? How many of you are wearing some of those new clothes today? Keep your hands up. How many of you washed those clothes? How many of you did not wash those clothes? Raise your hand. These are my people, okay? These are my people, okay? This is brand new, unwashed. Love it. Love it to death. Okay, so um, we're going to do a little, uh, little experiment, a little, little fun exercise here this morning. And you guys have a handout. And on the back of your handout, I would like you, I'm going to give you two minutes here because we got a lot to cover today, but I'm going to give you two minutes. Write down three or four things that define you. Who are you is the question that I want you to answer this morning. Who are you? What makes you you? If someone were to describe you, what would they say about you? Who are you? So take a minute or two. Write that down. All right. Well, I will, uh, I'll, I'll let you guys know. I, there are a few things about me that just, you know, stand out. Like, uh, if, you were to, if you were to come up to me, um, and, you, and somebody were to say, you know, who, who are you? I would say that, probably I would say I'm, I'm Julie Mulligan's husband. That would probably be the first thing that I say, right? Um, I, that's, that's just one of the things I would say. I would say I'm, I'm from Philadelphia uh, originally. Um, I'm a huge Philadelphia sports fan. Everybody knows that. Um, but here's what I'd like to do. I am going to pick someone at random and ask them a few questions. Random. Um, sir, right here. Yep, you with the glasses. Yep, come on up. Come on up. Completely random. Just, uh, just want to get to know someone a little bit better this morning, okay? Um, so, again, uh, here's your... Oh, we do match. Look at this. It's this new. Is, this is amazing, okay? Now, listen, don't say too much. Okay, don't say too much, but this, this is really amazing, okay, that, that we, we sort of, uh, sort of match today. But ha- hang on, hang on. Um, so I'm going to ask you a few questions, okay, so we want to get to know you a little bit. So my first question to you is, did you have a father? I thought you were going to ask me if my shirt was washed. No, it is. <laughs> it is. Yes. Yes, you... Yes. Well, what a coincidence, okay? Like, out of all of the people here, I find someone else who also has a father. I mean, that's just, that's amazing. Let me ask you this. Where, um, so again, if you were to, if you were to somehow find your father's uh, birth certificate, um, what would be the, the first and the last name on that, on that birth certificate? William, first. Right, what would be the? Mulligan. I can't, I can't believe it. Listen, I, I, I also have a father, and, and my father, my father's name is, is if, we, if we found the birth certificate, it would say 
William Mulligan. Now, now on that birth certificate, what town would it say that your, your father was born in? I see where this is going. Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yeah. Listen, wait a minute. If I found if I found my father's birth certificate, it would say it would say Philadelphia. So so listen, you, you know, are you? I have to ask. Are you you know an Eagles fan, a, a Phillies fan? Yes. Uh, have you have you ever been? I, I am too. I mean, I just admitted that I am. Have you ever been to a to a World Series game? Yes. Yeah, I, I bet you. I've been to a World Series game. Listen, I, I mean, I can't believe how much we have in common. Now, listen, I, when I went to the World Series game, I went with my father. Um, who, who did you go with? My son. You, oh, you went with your son? <laughs> we only had two wait, tickets. Wait, oh, we only yes. had, uh, you only had yeah, two yeah. tickets. Oh, my goodness. Well, wait a minute. You, you have a son? I... I I also have a son. What's his name? What? His yeah. name is William <laughs> Mulligan. How about you? Yep. Wow. Guys, let me, let's just, let's give a hand to, uh, to our friend. Uh, I'm sorry, what was, what was your name? William Mulligan. Oh, okay. All right. All right, have a seat. Have a seat. Now listen, it's, it's interesting. Um, I honestly did not know we were going to wear the same shirt today. Um, but it is kind of funny how unoriginal us mulligans are, okay? Um, you know, we don't, we don't tend to have a, a great imagination, and I don't need to speak in this microphone. I have a microphone in my hand. I have one on my face. Um, it is amazing sometimes how unoriginal us, us mulligans are. And it is sort of ironic this morning that we are going to... Uh, to look at a conversation, um, and someone is going to ask a number of questions of Jesus. Um, and I want to hop right in here uh, to our passage, because it is a, it is a lengthy passage, but it's a conversation. Um, it's a conversation between uh, Jews, who it says uh, have begun to believe uh, in Jesus, and our Savior here, and we're going to kind of see how this conversation goes. Um, you will notice at the, uh, at the top of your handout there, our big idea for today, thank you for stealing my Bible, um, we have the same Bible too, no, I'm kidding, um, you'll notice at the top of your, uh, at your handout, our big idea for today is your response to God's truth determines whose child you are. So without further delay here, let us hop right in to John chapter 8, verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed, who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say, we will become free? So we have to back up here for a second. And we have to uh, look at what, what Pastor Stephen uh, read from last week and what, what he taught. Um, he, has, uh, he has told the assembled people here that he is the light of the world that hope has come into the world, that salvation is through him, 
and him alone. And it says that these Jews begin to believe. And we're going to see that these believing Jews have some pretty difficult questions and maybe even accusations of the one that they believe in. But I will tell you this, that this idea of belief in these individuals has been brewing all throughout chapter 7. Um, several times we see that, uh, that the Jews are, are starting to ask questions. They're saying, could this be uh, a great prophet? Could this be the Messiah? Could this be the promised one? The, uh, the religious leaders send officials to go arrest Jesus, and they can't arrest Jesus. Uh, they, they see the crowds and, and they get scared and, and they, they, say to the, they say to the religious leaders, uh, we, we've never heard anyone speak like this before. There's this, this idea, there's a groundswell that's coming that, that these Jews are starting to believe and hear the truth. There is a problem though. And Jesus addresses it very early. If you turn back to John chapter 2, turn back with me to John chapter 2, verse 23. John 2, 23. <clears throat> it says, Now he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast. Many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them. Because he knew all of the people and needed no one to bear witness about man. For he himself knew what was in man. We're going to see these Jews here and they're going to ask some difficult questions. But here's what I want you to realize right off of the bat. Jesus knows exactly who these individuals are. We talked about this when we went through this passage, this idea that they believe in him, but Jesus did not entrust himself to them. They think they believe, but Jesus is going to draw a line in the sand here with this statement. Continuing on in the verse, he says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. What does it mean to abide in Jesus' word? Well, I think we have some pretty good evidence um, in the Gospel of John. Um, I think we have evidence in the, in the other Gospels of what it means to abide uh, in Jesus' word. When Jesus calls his, his apostles, what does he ask them to do? Follow him, right? When Jesus encounters a rich young ruler who says, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus reads a list in three of the Gospels of, of a bunch of commandments that he should keep, and he says, oh, I've kept these since my youth. Jesus says, go and sell your possessions and follow me. Abide with me. Abide in my word. What does it mean to abide in the word of Jesus? It means to read it, hear it, Live it. Meditate on it. Let it take root in your heart. Allow it to be a light unto your feet. 
Hunger for it as the bread of life. Thirst for it as living water. Accept it. Allow it to transform you. Where the word goes, you go. That's what a disciple looks like. And we come to verse 32. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This verse is often misused. We see it on government buildings everywhere. We hear it in courts of law. If you tell the truth, you'll be set free. That's what they say. Oh, it's, it's so uh, relieving. It's, it's such a relief to tell the truth. It's not at all what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying... If you abide in my word, you will be my disciple and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus is going to tell them exactly as he's told them several times before where he has come from. He has come from the Father, the source of truth. He and the Father are one. And the way for the truth to set you free is to abide with Christ. What Pastor Stephen said last week is that Christ's life gives us hope in a darkened world for those who follow him. What this verse tells us is what a follower looks like. This is the question, and it's not often that we we approach a passage of Scripture where the application is right in the first two verses here for us. The question we have to ask, when we ask ourselves, who are we? One of the questions we have to ask is, where do we abide? I could say I abide at 601 Greenwood Avenue, Clark Summit, Pennsylvania, 18411. That's where I abide. I have abided. Abode? I don't know. Something in Philadelphia, New Jersey, and Ohio. These are different places I've lived. But what occupies my time? Where do I spend my time? Is it social media? Is it Netflix? Is it that latest uh, series that I have to binge, watch? Where am I spending my time? Is it in the word? And is the truth setting me free? The, uh, the answer that he gets from the believers here. They say, we are the offspring of Abraham. We have Abraham. We are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Is this true? Partially. Listen, guys, I've worked in a car dealership. I know that the best truth or the best lie has a little bit of truth in it. It's easy. They start off with something that's true. Hey, we're the offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. Jesus, tremendous patience. 
tremendous patience. He could have jumped all over this one. He could have just run down the list. He could have been like Egypt, Babylon, Syria, the Medes, the Persians, I mean, maybe even like Rome. Um, you know, I, he could have just run down the list on them and said, listen, you're being ridiculous here. You've been enslaved. You know, the ironic thing about some of these captivities is the cause of a few of them is sin. The cause of of a few of them is sin. So Jesus reveals something to these individuals. He says, you are living in bondage. You are in need of being set free. Verse 34 Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Now think about these believers here, okay? Believers, these Jewish believers who think that they are free. They don't think that they have a problem. They think, hey, listen, we're sons of Abraham, man. We're, we're working the program. We're, you know, we're baby-stepping, you know, we're, we're doing the work. We're where we should be. Jesus says everyone who practices sin is a slave to it. Sin is their bondage. And it is a master to them, but also it has an a father that they are serving, that we're going to find out. They are in bondage to a master. A master that has their ear. A master that controls their desires. And the sad thing that they're going to find out is that the devil is one of the influences, but they themselves are the influence. They are slaves to their own desires, their own lusts. The Bible's clear. Out of the heart of man comes all sorts of wickedness. We just have to look at ourselves. We just have to look at the beginning. And we'll talk about that. Verse 35, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. What is Jesus talking about here? He's saying, listen, guys, the slave to sin, guess what happens to him? He dies. He dies. He doesn't remain in the house forever. He's gone. The son who is not a slave, he will remain forever. And if this son who brings life who we've heard over the past few weeks, does not bring condemnation this time. He brings life. If he sets you free, you will be free indeed. There is something different about the Son. Verse 37, I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, Yet you seek to kill me because my word 
finds no place in you. Jesus is clear. He affirms the thing that they said was true. He says, listen, you guys are offspring of Abraham. You are. I'm, I'm not going to deny that. What you have said is true. But you are not abiding in my word. You are not the son's disciple. You are still a slave to sin. How does he know this? Because his word finds no place in them. It doesn't take root. They hear it, and it has no effect on them. Remember, we said, what does it look like to abide in the word? It looks like to read it, to hear it, to meditate on it, to allow it to take root in you, to allow it to cleanse you. To let it satisfy your hunger, your thirst. To be a light under your feet. These people know. Jesus, we like the signs you do. Jesus, we like the cool stuff that we see happen. Jesus, we believe in you because that's a really cool idea. But changing our life? I don't know if we're about that. I mean, come on, we're, we're sons of Abraham. I mean, we're pretty special in and of ourselves, you know. We, we, know, we know a few things. God has revealed a few things to us. We're, we're good. We're sons of, we're, we're, we're offspring of Abraham. Jesus is going to make a, a very, very distinct statement here. In verse 38, he says, I speak... Of what I have seen with my father. And you do what you have heard from your father. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying, believers, we are on two completely different playing fields. You see, I have come from the father. I have seen with the Father the things that are of the Father. I have seen the truth. I have borne witness to it with him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I was there. I saw it with perfect eyes. Because I share my eyes with the Father. The Father and I are one. And I see you for exactly what you are. I witness with the Father. You do what you hear your Father, hear from your Father. As we saw in John chapter 2, Jesus sees man as he truly is. Slaves in need of a deliverer. Blind men stumbling in darkness. Starving men in need of the bread of life. Dying of thirst in need of living water. And as we will see, men are liars in need of truth. 
Verse 39, they answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to him, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works that Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. I believe that Jesus right here is referring to something very specific. In Genesis chapter 18, Genesis chapter 18, Abraham has a very unique experience. Abraham's kind of hanging out in his tent. He's hanging out and he looks up. And as he looks up, right in front of him are three men. And the Hebrew words in there are very clear that this is the Lord. A pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus Christ standing before him. And we have to look at Abraham's reaction. Abraham jumps up and then falls down flat on his face. He bows down before them and he begs them. He pleads with them. He says, hey, stay here for a little while. Let me get a little bit of water. Maybe get you guys a snack. Get you something, you know. Stay. These men say, do as you have said. And Abraham takes off. He starts running. He starts, you know, he's barking out orders. He's, he's, going, to, he's going to Sarah and he's saying, hey, get some, get some food together. Do this, do that. He's going to the servants. He's saying, hey, we need to prepare this. We need to get it ready. And by the time everything is said and done, it's, it's not a little snack and a little foot washing. It's a full-on feast. And Abraham is, is excited by the fact that he has been blessed in this way. Jesus says here, you are not the children of Abraham. Because when Abraham saw me, when Abraham saw me, he rejoiced. He jumped up. He got things ready. He welcomed me with open arms. What are you guys doing? He says, flat out here, you're going to try to kill me. You're going to try to kill me. Did Abraham at any point in that story try to kill the Lord? No way! He saw the Lord and recognized him right away. He knew exactly who he was. But these believing Jews look at Jesus. Nope. Yeah, they're like, no way. No way. Verse 41 again. You are doing the works your father did. Jesus reiterates and says, you have a different father. They said to him, we are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. What Jesus says with that last statement is, Abraham is not your father. And if Abraham is not your father then guess what? God is not your father. Jesus makes a distinction here. And he says, oh yes, you are offspring of Abraham. But you are not Abraham's children. You do not act like Abraham. We did this fun little skit up here with my dad. My dad. We got a lot in common. 
We got a lot of differences, though, too. I mean, we're, listen, by no means am I comparing us to Jesus and God because that would be, you would, everybody, would, the whole world would be disappointed at that point. But there are many similarities. But could you imagine, could you imagine for a second how my dad would feel if I was serious in those questions? If somehow I didn't recognize him, I didn't know who he was, even though he was standing right next to me. Even though he was, he was talking to me, I didn't recognize him. How would that make him feel? My parents live in town now. One of my favorite things about them living in town is uh, Winola Road. I'll be driving down Winola Road and I'll see this RAV4 or I'll see this 4Runner come up and, and my eyes, they perk up. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's my parents. And there are a couple RAV4s that look like theirs and I find myself waving to strangers. I'm like, ah! because I can't see very well. But I love seeing them. I recognize them. I know who they are. Could you imagine if I, if I didn't? If, if somehow my, my dad needed help for some reason, and I was like, dude, I don't know you. Who are you? The Jews don't recognize him, because they have a different father. Jesus said to them, oh, I'm sorry, one more thing. Uh, the, the Jews are laying a, a foundation here to uh, turn it on Jesus a bit. Um, they, they use this idea of sexual immorality. And where they go is a, a very literal thing. Um, they are saying, uh, Jesus is talking on a spiritual level. He's saying, yes, you are the offspring. You're not the children. The way they take it, though, is that somewhere the line has been tainted for them. That they're not pure. That maybe some unbelievers have come in and tainted their line. And therefore they are now living in sexual immorality because they are not true sons of Abraham. But there's another little jab in there as well. And this jab is at Jesus. Who is Jesus' father? Well, according to us, we know it's, it's God. According to these Jews, though, would Joseph claim to be the biological father of Jesus? No. Who on this earth would claim to be the biological father of Jesus? According to them, Nobody knows. Well, somehow she got pregnant. Somehow it happened. Somehow we celebrate Christmas. She wasn't married. Hmm. Little jab at Jesus here. They'll take it further in a second. Verse 42, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. We just talked about this. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand when I say, it is because you cannot bear to hear my words. Jesus is saying, you don't recognize me. You don't know me. You don't know the Father. Later on, in John chapter 14, 
uh, Jesus is going to have a conversation with Philip, and Philip is going to say, Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus is going to turn to Philip and say, Philip, how long have you been with me? How long have you been here? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. We are one. Verse 44, he hits them right between the eyes. Before Jesus says, I am of my Father. Verse 44, you are of your Father, the devil. Turn with me quickly back to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 66 here. No pun intended there, but um, after this, many disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed, and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is the devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Jesus is very clear here. You can't stand the truth. You can't handle the truth, right? That's what he says to them. He says, I have the words of eternal life. My words are not in you. They are completely different than you. You cannot abide in them. They don't take root in you. You are different. You are not of, your, of my father. You are of your own father. Verse 44, you are of, the, of your father the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks of his own character for he is a liar. And the father of lies. Remember what I said before? The best lie has just a little bit of truth in it. Remember back in the garden? First starts talking to Eve. He says, hey, Eve, uh, didn't God say you could eat of any tree? Yeah. That's, that's what he said. When Satan tempts Jesus, how does he tempt Jesus? Well, he twists Scripture. A little bit of truth in there. Satan is who he is. And we should expect Satan to act like Satan. Jesus takes it a step further here. And he says, if the truth is not in you, we should expect you to act like your father. And this is scary. Remember I said before, Jesus sees with perfect eyes. He knows what is in man. Now think about this. Everywhere as Jesus walks on this earth, he sees bondage. 
he sees sin. He sees people living in sin. Like sheep without a shepherd. Helpless and harassed. These people, the Jews, the Gentiles, the Samaritans, even, as we just read, the apostles, the truth. There's only one place to get it. And that's from the one who is standing in front of them. The only place for them to receive the truth that will set them free is to be near the source of truth. Maybe save one person in the entire world right now. You want to get a picture of what Jesus is experiencing? Now listen, the way they handled it was completely different. Jesus is experiencing exactly what Moses experienced that day that he woke up and walked out and saw his people in bondage. Now the way they're going to deal with it is completely different. But that's the way Jesus sees everyone. Why? Because the Spirit has not been given yet. The Son and the Father are one. There's only one other individual that's walking the earth right now that we know for sure has the Spirit. And that's good old JTB. John the Baptist. But everyone else, everyone else is living in darkness. He is the only light. And this is how Jesus views the world around him. You know, sometimes we read these verses and we think, oh, Jesus is he's angry. He's tough. He's, he's, he's hitting them right between the eyes. He's saying this. Listen, I imagine Jesus' heart is, is breaking. Everyone around him is dying and going to hell. And they think they know the way. And they don't. They've put their hope in a man. In the fact that they are the descendant of a man. I love my dad to death. There's no way my dad is getting me to heaven. My earthly dad is not getting me to heaven. I loved his dad to death. There's no way his dad was getting me to heaven. And we don't even want to talk about his dad. Because if we talk about this, well, we're not going to talk about that. Or some of his other relatives. You guys will, I'll be kicked out of the church. You'll be like, oh, no. Uh, anyway. We can't put our hope in anything else. Verse 45, but because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin if I tell the truth? Why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is you are not from God. The devil is as the devil does. It's that simple and it should be obvious. He is a liar and a murderer from the beginning. It's obvious who these believers' father is. Jesus says to them, I told you I came from God, my father. He is not your father because you do not accept his words. You do not act like my father. You act like your father. 
Jesus is also illustrating here that further communication with these individuals, it's not profitable. It's not. You don't understand my words. How can you understand my words? We are completely opposite and different. You're not going to accept what I'm going to say. Which one of you convicts me? Which one of you can say that I've sinned? And if you can't say that I've sinned in what I've said, why do you not believe me? He's not saying it's not because you're, you're not smart enough. It's because you're too stubborn. He's, he's not saying that. He's saying it's because of who your father is and who you are listening to. It's who you are. Remember, Jesus said, did I not choose 12 of you? And one of you is the devil. Jesus says flat out, I'm innocent. And you, Jews who believe, have no authority over me. You cannot convict me. You won't be able to convict me. You're going to try in a second. And you can't. And you will not believe me because I am God and truth. Verse 48, the Jews answered, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and you have a demon? This one's a little tough. Um, you know, in, in college we read uh, Damer and attacking faulty reasoning. And, and one of these, you know, things that, uh, that Damer points out is this idea of, uh, I think it's a, is it a straw man? It's where you're attacking, attacking the person rather than the, the issue here. This is where they this is where they do it. This is where they go flat out and they attack Jesus. Jesus isn't talking about this issue, but they want to they want to go here. Are we not are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and you have a demon? Again, they are questioning Jesus' heritage and who his father is. Now who knows why they pick Samaritan? Um, it could be because he did go through Samaria and any good Jew would not set foot in Samaria. Uh, even his disciples say, please, can't we go around? Why do we have to go through Samaria? Maybe it's because of their association. There's another theory that... Um, the Samaritans have been led astray over the years. That there was a time where their line was pure, but they have been led astray. And therefore, these individuals are saying that, Jesus, you have been led astray, and they call him a Samaritan. Or it could be just a nasty name that they want to call Jesus. But here is the point that Jesus wants to make with them. They say, you have a demon and as you'll see, Jesus does not give them a very long answer here because of what he just said. You're not going to believe me anyway. You're not going to understand me. You're not of my father. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. You guys remember the parable of the man who owned a field and he sends messengers to the workers and the workers say you know what let's let's kill the messenger 
kill the messenger. Yeah, it's killed a messenger. And the master, the owner of the field says, well, I guess I'm going to send my son. And he sends his son. And what do the workers say? Let's kill the son. Let's kill the son. I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet, yet, I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews are saying to him, listen, you're doing this for your own honor, your own glory. Jesus says, I don't, I don't seek to glorify myself. I have one who glorifies me, who will honor me. You are not honoring me, but he does honor me. I honor him. We are one. We are in perfect communion. I and my Father, we glorify, we honor each other. We are on the same page. You are the ones on a different page. And guess what? He's going to judge who's right and who's wrong. He's going to judge who his children are and who are the children of the devil. Truly, Truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. What Jesus is implying here is that children of the Father, they receive life. Remember, the slave dies. The son remains forever. If you are found to be a son of the slave or a slave to the the master, to the father of sin, you get death. But if my word does not abide in you, you die. If it does abide in you, you will never see death. Verse 52, the Jews said to him, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, anyone who keeps my word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets who died or our fathers killed uh, or who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? It's kind of funny that they bring the prophets in there, right? He just told them they were, the, they were of their father, who's a liar and a murderer. It's like, well, let's just bring up some of the people that we murdered. Um, you know, that's, that's what they do. This is what Stephen says. Stephen says he stands up. Not this Stephen, but Stephen in the Bible stands up. And he says, you are guilty. You have killed the prophets and you have killed the Messiah. But death and, sin could, or death and sin could not hold him. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, quote, he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. Jesus, again, is making it very clear. There's a line. I'm on one side, you're on the other. I have seen what the Father has seen. I have heard what the Father has told me. I have spoken to you what the Father has told me to speak. You guys over here have heard lies and murder. And guess what? You're doing lies and murder. This is where you are. This is where I am. Jesus says right here, if I were to say that I do not know him, guess what? 
I would be a liar like you. He tells them flat out. He says, I cannot lie. I bear witness to the truth. The truth will set you free. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. I'm over here. I am, in, I am totally secure in where I am because I and the Father am one. You're on the outside, kids. You're over here. And the only thing you have to look forward to is death. I would be a liar like you, but I know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day, and he saw it and was glad. We're not going to get into everything that this means because we're running short on time here. But here's what I will tell you. That Hebrews tells us flat out that when Abraham heard the word of God, he obeyed. Not only was he a sojourner and a foreigner in this land as he walked, but he was also a sojourner and a foreigner in this earth as he walked. That he knew there was a heavenly country. That he looked forward to that heavenly country. And that he knew someday something greater would happen through his line. And he rejoiced at the fact. But you're sons of Abraham. You guys are children. You guys are offspring. You are not. Because he rejoiced to see my day. And you guys want to kill me. So the Jews said to him, <laughs> you're not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? Kind of a ridiculous argument, but hey, go for it. Jesus, you're not old enough to have seen Abraham. Like, dude, you're 50. Like, we're talking about 2,000 years. Like, you're, you're not even close. You're only 50. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Anybody ever have somebody say something that totally enraged them? Um, I'll never forget. My cousin Eric wasn't very tall. Now, I'll try to wrap it up quick here. He wasn't very tall. Um, he was a tremendous athlete, but he, um, he had broken his, his ankle. And um, I'll never forget, he had like a walking kind of boot. They gave him like a nub at the bottom. And um, there was another kid at school whose name was Josh Tomes. And in eighth grade, Josh was like six foot tall. And both Eric and I weren't, we weren't five foot tall yet. Like we were just, we were runts, you know, or whatever. Um, Eric wasn't so much of a runt. He, he had that little man syndrome, like where he's just like, I'm going to take over the world and anybody who messes with me, they're going to, you know, if you, if you mess with the bull, you're going to get the horns. You know, that was his motto. And Eric had his broken leg, and him and Josh got into an argument. And it was one of the few times I actually saw Eric walk away. Josh had said something to him, and Eric turned his back to walk away. Eric had a little bit of a Difficult family past. Um, Eric was raised by my grandparents. Um, and everybody knew that. And Josh said 
well, at least my mom wanted me. And I saw Eric at that point. And the rage that was unleashed. When Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. The rage that is unleashed in these, remember guys, believing Jews. He uses the very same phrase that's used in the burning bush. I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but he hid himself and went out of the temple. How a person responds, how you respond to the truth of God's word determines whose child you are. Here's my encouragement to you this new year here. Are we abiding? Remember, the application for us was all the way at the beginning. Jesus describes the difference between someone who abides, someone who's a, children, a child of the devil, and someone who's a child of God. But the application is at the beginning. Are we abiding? Are we meditating on the word of God? Are we allowing it to take root in our life? Are we living and practicing sin and still claiming to be a Christian. Gossiping, lying, pornography, sexual immorality. Are we abiding in these things, allowing these things to continue in our lives? Don't call yourself a child of God. Abide in his word. Jesus tells us flat out that he has come to set us free. Don't live in bondage. Little Jack was in the, little Jack was in the, in the restroom um, right before service had started. Jack, what did you get? What were you in the restroom doing? What were you doing in the restroom? A car, right? What were you trying to do with that car? And how do you change the color of it? Right, but what was, what was the problem? It wasn't hot or cold enough. And it wouldn't change color. You know, there's going to be many, many people on that day who say, Lord, Lord, did I not cast out demons in your name? He's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. There'll be many, many who are not hot or cold. They're lukewarm. And God will spew them out. Guys, in this coming year, abide. Abide. Be a true disciple. Be hot. That is my encouragement to you, and this is the encouragement that Jesus brings to these believing Jews who are ice cold.